0: On this episode, Steve and I chat with Jim Zartman about that neurotic voice in our heads that seems to ruin everything. It's a little bit of group therapy that I think you'll relate to.
1: You are listening to the Rubble Storytellers Podcast. Rubble Storytellers. Candid conversations with dreamers, doers, and creative problem solvers. Hosted by Brad Wise and Steve Fuller.
2: A wee podcast made in Cincinnati, Ohio.
0: We have Jim Zartman in the studio
2: today, Steve. Yeah. Can Hi, you, Jim. Can you see him? I do. Oh, I see his eyes, his nose. Ooh. I'm doing the Wilson thing, looking over the fence. Yeah. So Jim and I were having a
0: text conversation uh, the other day. You and were? it or was around the topic of, um, I threw out a first pitch at the Reds game recently. You did? Yep. When? You were there.
2: Oh, that's right. I remember that. For your birthday.
0: Yeah, it was close to my birthday. And um,
2: Did you have a birthday? Yeah, April oh, 9th.
0: happy birthday.
2: 36. 36 years old. I don't have Facebook, so I don't know about birthdays Neither anymore. Neither does Brad. Neither do I. Did anyone wish you happy birthday? A few people. Yeah, three people wished me happy birthday on my birthday because I don't have Facebook.
0: It's tough. So anyways, I was, we were talking and he asked how if it was like, you know, just a great day. And I said it was. I said, I wish I would have known beforehand that it would have just gone fine. Because I was pretty nervous leading up to it. You saw me, Steve. And yeah. I was had a little anxiety going.
2: On our Twitter account, at Rebel Storytellers, uh, RBL Storytellers, I posted some pictures of you, and you looked pretty nervous. Yeah. I just didn't want to look stupid. Well, that was the main thing. Do you normally not want
0: to? Come on. I just wanted to do well. So beforehand, you know, I'm down there on the field with my brother, and it was a cool thing, but I don't think I was 100% present because I was – nervous. And so I shared, you know, something along those lines to you, Jim, and uh you wrote back an interesting comment which then led to this conversation in the podcast because it just seems like a conversation worth having. What did you say to
1: Yeah. Me? I can read you exactly what I read. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, as soon as you said it, I I said this is true of almost everything for me. Um I don't think I ever enjoy a pure moment. Almost everything great that happens in life, I think I ruin it (laughs) because I'm there and I bring my neurosis with me and I can ruin even the best of moments. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, this is true of every relational thing. This is true of every uh, success of one kind or another. Almost everything this little voice comes in and so I was wondering if that this sort of dominant question that's been resonating in my brain is is there a way to silence that neurotic voice that ruins the enjoyment of the best moments
2: I don't think so <laughs> so thanks for joining us <laughs> this week on the podcast okay, good chat <laughs> Do you have a solution uh, www.rebelstorytellers. <laughs> rebel storytellers <laughs> um, I don't think I have an answer. I do think I can confirm that I do the exact same thing, um, at least up until the moment. Like, so take us back. So, at what point did you enjoy any part of it? Yeah, the pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed
0: all of it, but you got to think. So, there's that moment where I'm sitting there, standing there on the field, and I have that thought of like, I'm on the field, like the Great American Ballpark, like that's the grass. How it's so green, you know, like and that's the dirt and oh it's bigger granules than I thought. Like Is it? Yeah. All that stuff, but then immediately just like, but don't screw it up. So it's all of those good thoughts, like, I'm on the field with my brother. There's like rosy red. We're getting our picture taken. How cool is this? But don't screw it up. You know, it's that constant like back and forth. And I just wish I would have if I would have known that A it does it wouldn't have mattered if I screwed it up. Like no one would have cared, really. And that I was gonna be fine. That I was actually gonna, you know, practically throw a major league perfect pitch right across the the plate. Remember that, Steve?
2: Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, I think it was a little outside. <laughs> a little, a little it was outside. just <laughs> off the plate, but it was close. Um, Closer than Kevin. It seemed Greg like the, gets. the catcher
1: acknowledged you as it, doing a great job. Yeah. But, <laughs> um,
0: if I just would have known that it would have been fine, then I could have had all of those moments. Would have been like, oh, the grass is so green, and that scoreboard is huge. And oh, look over there, it's uh, Todd Frazier. And it would have been and, and, and instead of mm. but. You know. So mm. there's so many, like that fear thing that was just like, I'm in the good moment instead of then saying yes and to other good moments, I'm just like, yes but, which is not a fun place to be.
2: Can I share a different story about that same day that's not nearly as cool but similar? Sure. So we, uh, So I was there and Matt was there who is also uh, works with Rebel Pilgrim, mm-hmm. Matt Milththaler, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And his wife and his two kids, and we wanted to get some pictures of you. So we were on the third base side, and we ran down to the front row, and we snapped some photographs, and we noticed as we were standing there, no one was coming down to take those seats. So we just sat in the front row right behind the visiting dugout, right behind the Cardinals, and just started watching the game. Uh Yadier Molina gave us a baseball, yeah. which is cool, and kind of confusing, conflicting yeah. because I don't like him, and he <laughs> was really nice. Yeah. And so, for three and a half innings, we sat there, and all I did for three and a half innings was be nervous that someone was going to come and get the seat. (laughs) And so, I'm sitting there, and I could have just, like, kicked my feet up and been like, look at me in the front row. Isn't this awesome? But I just looked around, and I stared at the usher guy, and I was like, do they know? And sure enough, in the bottom of the third inning, someone came and got the seats who was three innings late when he had front row seats. So, that made me really angry. But... (laughs) Like, I could have just enjoyed it while it lasted, but I was so, like, nervous I was going to get found out. I was, like, embarrassed because we had to walk all the way up, and everyone had to be like, look at those losers trying to cheat and get in the front row. So I wasted the whole experience being nervous about it.
0: I wonder if there's a connection, though, like, you were cheaters. (laughs) (laughs) You were lying that whole time. Okay, but it doesn't matter whether he
2: was or
1: not. Here's an experience that wasn't. My wife always talks about when she's giving advice to couples who are dating, she's like, my number one piece of advice is enjoy it. Just try to soak in the moment and enjoy every bit of it. Because she goes, she acknowledges that I ruined so much of the enjoyment of my dating relationship with Jim because I was constantly nervous and that it wasn't going to work out or wondering whether he was the right person or whether this little issue was going to blow up. And she's like, if I would have known it was going to turn out totally fine, I wouldn't have done that. But because I did that and I and I was just thinking, you know, so let me take it a slightly different, different direction. Um, I wonder this in the area of success. So almost any area that I've ever had some level of success in, I've ruined it because it was either – A, a buzz I couldn't recover the next day and get again, Mm -hmm. or B, um, I immediately question every decision I made about it, wondering if it could have been better, Mm -hmm. or a million other things. So, just for instance, we did a couple movies together, like Strange Brand of Happy, which um, would not probably be considered an enormous success, (laughs) but it was significant because it was something we got to make together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference is I think we ruin so many of our successes or some of these beautiful moments because what we're really looking for is significance. And we think that if we generate success, it will give us the feeling of significance, hmm. but it doesn't. Like, And the significant part of the experience of making those movies is not how many people liked it, but that I got to do this thing with people I like. Yeah, And I think... Maybe part of the solution to the neurosis of success or even of just beautiful moments, which in of themselves are a success. Right. If we're looking for significance instead, and maybe there's something there that I just haven't
0: been able to figure out in the three days since we had that text <laughs> conversation. <laughs> so do you feel like you then you didn't ruin the good moments of that strange brain of happy movie experience? Like you just felt good about it or did you ruin that too? <laughs> I think
1: yes <laughs> I ruined it no both no I think it's totally both but I think when I talk to the thing I realized was it, when I talk to my kids about this someday or they see it or they hear it or they hear some piece of music that I scored for it like I'm going to be really proud of them and be like oh this is this cool thing I do with my friends mm-hmm. but at the time the only concern was either how many people are going to like it what are people going to think of it? Are people going to buy it? Is Are we ever going to make money or make the money back that we spent on it? Like all of those questions. I don't know. It's, it's almost like the wrong questions dominate the what could be a great string of experiences and emotions. Yeah.
2: Well, remember that thing, that video that I really like um, from Neil Gaiman? Yeah. Where – He's, he's No, tell me about it. He's written uh, a bunch of stuff. Uh, Coraline, the movie, was his. He writes a lot of like fantasy and fiction. And, um, but he gave this commencement address, and basically the last thing he said was, the biggest thing I've learned over the years is to enjoy any success you have. And he said early in his career he didn't enjoy any of it because all he did was be anxious about, I have to do this again, or what are people going to say about it, So for the first 15 years of his career when he was really successful, he said he didn't enjoy any of it. And Stephen King said to him at one point, he's like, you've got to learn to just enjoy the moment because you never know when it's going to end or when you're going to have this kind of success again. And I never enjoy any moment because (laughs) it's constantly – It's thinking that the moment is fleeting or even when I was sitting in that front row, it's like it was all about significance. Like I wanted to take pictures and tweet them so people would be like, Steve's in the front row. (laughs) Like he must be really cool to be in the front row. (laughs) So it was all this ego thing. And it was if I get caught, I'm going to be embarrassed by the 30 people that I'll never see again (laughs) sitting around me because they're going to think I'm. Right now, they think I'm awesome because I'm in the front row. I don't know if they... They did. Okay. And then I'm important no, and i got money. No, that's the thing money. is they don't care. See, that's the whole thing. That's the <laughs> they thing They were people... thinking about me the whole time, No, <laughs> Oh, they weren't. <laughs>
1: this was an epiphany I had like 10 years ago, and it changed the way I met people because I would walk up to people with that thing, and you walk up and you shake someone's hand and you're going, what are they thinking of me? And I realized... They're not, they're thinking the same thing. They're right. wondering, what are they thinking of me? And so right. I was like, maybe if I walk up and meet people and I'm actually thinking about them, right. it could change the whole interaction of that beginning. And it's just like, you're sitting in the front row, they don't give a crap.
2: Everyone <laughs> was thinking right? about me. <laughs> right now they're probably like, that guy in the front <laughs> row, why did he get up and leave when those people came? He seems so important and rich. Yeah. It yeah. was uh, a friend of mine, Evan Griffin, attributes this quote to a friend of his, Jim Downing. It goes something like this. When I was in my 20s, I was so concerned what people thought about me. When I was in my 40s, I realized it didn't matter what people thought about me. When I was in my 60s, I realized nobody was thinking about me anyway. They were too busy thinking about themselves. And that's sort of the same. It's like- Right, and
1: I wanted to realize that now. Right. No one else is thinking about me. No one cares. Yeah,
2: so I've got 22 years before I have to figure that out, right?
0: There's got to be some key where you just have to stop uh, caring about embarrassment or any of that stuff. Like it, with the pitch thing or with any thing that we produce and put out there, it's always about are people going to think I'm I'm stupid? And yes. Like is there a way to get to just – I feel like you have some of that, Jim, where you don't care if people think you look stupid or sound stupid. I don't know. That – A lot of that
1: may be a defense mechanism that was forced by being uh, for so long in a very public position. You know, being in front of a lot of people every week, you learn that you do not have the emotional capacity to care what 5,000 people think of you.
0: You should say what that that role was for people who don't know.
1: Yeah. uh, So I was doing music at this large church, you know, for many years. And it just becomes exhausting to— to constantly have everyone have an opinion about what you do. And so you run out of the capacity to care um, at certain point. Um, at least I do. Not everyone does. but Do you not care or do you just decide to stop listening? Um, I think you become a lot more selective on the people you listen to. And you pretty much ignore anything that doesn't come from someone who you know has your best interests at heart. Because, I mean, for years, I remember in my early 20s thinking, I really want to live like I have nothing to prove. And I've been failing at that for the last 15 years, and I'm hoping that I eventually can get to the point where I realize there's nothing to prove, there's only to enjoy. But I'm just not there.
0: Well, certainly among the three of us, we've had moments that we haven't ruined. That's got to be true, right? Steve's shaking <laughs> his head no.
2: For me, it's it's... Everything's ruined before. It's the during that I, I'm good at, oh, that really? I enjoy. So okay. I had a, our banquet at UC for the communication department, and leading up to that, I was the, the host of it. I hated every moment leading up to it. I was nervous. I was mm-hmm. anxious. And I don't – I mean, I, I like public speaking. I don't mind being on a stage, all that kind of stuff. But I just felt like I had a lot to lose or I'd look stupid or whatever. The minute the thing started – I loved every second of it, because mm. being in the, the moment, it frees me up to just do. It's like your my brain sort of shuts off, and I just, I, I don't know, I just, words come out of my mouth, and I just, uh, I like that process, but it's everything leading up to it. Well, what about afterwards? How did you feel afterwards? Um, Good and bad. It, good, because it went well, but then that night, it took me like an hour and a half to get to sleep, because I thought about every thing I could have done differently or said differently or did that joke go well or so I definitely go back and second guess but when things go really well there's less of that and if something doesn't go as well I really can sort of tear it apart but it's just about getting to the actual moment that I feel okay in so that's why I asked you with the first pitch it's like once you were out there did it feel differently because you're like wow this is cool but the Mm -hmm. three weeks leading up to it was that the part that ruined it because you were so anxious beforehand? Um, no. <laughs> I, I don't know if
0: I, I don't think I totally ruined it. I think I'm inching down the path of, um, towards some level of more mature because at least in the moment I recognized what I was doing and I think maybe that recognition might be the first step like I, I noticed when it was happening. Like it wasn't. It didn't like consume it. Therefore, like that. Mm. Does that make sense? Of what I'm saying? No, that's a great. That even sounds like a great first step. Yeah, it's like,
1: oh, I'm ruining this moment. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're not aware of that, I'm doing it. This. Like,
0: and I was just thinking, like, as you know, the the mental pictures of that day are flashing back, and I wonder if if we can guard those moments if we if we are clear about who we're actually sharing those moments with. And then we can care about like what they're thinking about us because I don't know if we can just turn off that thing in us that uh, we worry what other people think about us. Maybe we can do that someday, but I bet it's not until we are 60 or 70. But in the meantime, I wonder if we can if we can limit the number of people that we're going to care about to just like who are we actually sharing that with? See, but
1: that's not the thing. So we were talking about how I'm in front of all these people and I can't care what everyone thinks of me. Like it's not those immediate people even that I care about that that ruin it for me or what they're thinking. It's me. It's you. Like I I actually have a lot of enjoyment in the anticipation leading up to something opposite of you, Steve. It's in the middle of it where I'm like, I was looking forward to doing this, but I'm like, am I gonna include some of the brilliant stuff that I thought of while driving in a car from Walmart this week? You know? It's like that's the stuff that I'm like, no, I I ruin stuff for me.
2: If we just combined all of us into one person, I think we'd sane. be good to go. Or
1: we'd have all of each other's issues. <laughs>
2: yeah. You don't want my issues. No, I don't. You're right, you're I was that's thinking when we first started, the first thought that went through my head was, Jim is the only person ever in the podcast room who has a better radio voice than I do. And that, and that made me sad. <laughs> so that sort of I don't ruined think, I don't think that's true. <laughs> it's true. And it sort of ruined it all for me. <laughs> so now I'm trying to be a better radio voice guy. Hey, everybody. You don't do it by going lower. (laughs) No? How do you – what do you do? Go higher? (laughs) No, it's just just normal, man. Just be you. (laughs) I can't, Jim. Stop ruining yourself. I'm always playing a character. Oh, gosh.
1: Oh, Lord. So funny. So I I wrote this little note that I said – that I ruin it. It, Where did I – blah, blah, blah. Okay. It comes from the violation of the expectation that success will bring a sense of significance. I want to go back to that because I don't think we hit that. We talked about so much of pleasure and enjoyment. Yeah. But when I talk about significance, I meant it's, like, literally meaningful, um, regardless of what anyone else thinks, the moments that are meaningful in life. Like, I don't feel like I ruined the birth of my daughter with too much neurosis, but I'm ruining all kinds of moments now (laughs) because she's too uh, (laughs) – And there's a lot of things that are awful, and it makes me feel powerless. And when I feel powerless, I want control. Yeah. And when I want control, I get angry because anger is fake power. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm in this point where I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself, and I'm ruining some of this. Like, I have more time with my daughter right now than most people would. And instead of enjoying that, I'm like – why don't you do this and
0: are we on the verge of potty training and like <sighs> yeah when you were saying that i was thinking about my night last night with henry and the word control popped in my head and maybe all of it comes down to the the idea that like control is a mirage like we're not or maybe even if we can come to the realization that control is dumb or control is overrated somehow maybe that frees us up like last night henry was just being a total turd wouldn't listen to anything I wanted him to do at all. And so I got to the place where I just wanted him to, like, go to bed. Like, leave me alone. Right. But I had this, like, blink moment where I realized he just wanted to play. And if I stopped mm-hmm. wanting to, like, be – I kept thinking I got to make him listen to me because he's got to grow up into, like, a person who listens. But then in the uh, moment of, like – uh grace last night or something i Mm -hmm. thought he just wants to play and so then i just like dropped everything and we played this giant game and just started making up rules to and he's like we're playing now we're playing like he was almost he kept saying that statement we're playing right now which i was like he's almost in shock that we're just like in the present moment (laughs) instead of me being like dumb you know and so we're playing and then he woke up this morning he's like can we play that giant game again And I was like, sure, once I get to that good place of just being present again, we can play instead of worrying about got to get to work, got to do this, got to do that.
2: Yeah, I think Jim just summed up why I'm so angry all the time, right? (laughs) Because
0: you want – well, yeah, you want to be in control all the time.
2: and it's – you said it was was dumb. I'll I'll say maybe it's an illusion Uh when we get angry about, like, the weather. You know anyone who gets – like, it's raining or snowing and you get mad about it, and it's like, what do you – what are you supposed to do? Like, what's the... You can't control the weather. So mm-hmm. anger is that, would you say, false power?
1: Yeah, anger is fake power. Fake
2: power. So it's it's as though I can control the weather, but I can't. Or when I tweet about the Reds all the time, <laughs> as if I somehow, by tweeting it into the world, have some sort of control over whether or not Brian Price pitches Kevin Gregg in the eighth inning. And I have none. None. But I... But I try to pretend, right, by getting angry and tweeting it, thinking that gives me some power. Yeah. And it doesn't, right? So what I hear you saying is you're going to stop doing that. No, probably not. <laughs> because <laughs> I like it. I like feeling like I have some power. I, I have some say. And I, my wife and I don't have any kids. We have a dog. And I always try to take her on these long walks, and then she doesn't do what I want her to do. And then I get mad, and I ruin the walk. And in my mind, it's this glorious movie scene where I'm taking my dog on a long walk and enjoying enjoying the world. And I just get mad at her all the time because (laughs) she's uncontrollable and I want to control everything she does.
0: So we eventually started talking about practical steps that we could take to stop ruining our lives. This is how our conversation ended.
1: I always need to believe that everything I'm doing matters huge. And I think this is even so much what I said about the movie and everything else about the significance. I think I ruin things because nothing ever meets my expectation. But my expectation is what gave me the energy to do it.
0: So I wonder if maybe one thing you can do when you're scanning, either reflecting back on a moment or in the presence of it, is trying to find what's what's truly meaningful about this what's really meaningful for me right Mm, now. That's really good.
2: we had this conversation the other day, but how we measure success, uh, like what are we tracking? And so I think for me when I say that, part of that is it doesn't matter how people react to this. It doesn't matter, like what ultimately matters is my experience of it. Am I having fun? Am I enjoying the process? Um, I've kind of been joking about this recently, but Jimmy Fallon sort of became my hero. And I don't know Jimmy Fallon or what he's like behind closed doors. but He's awesome. It just, <laughs> it just seems like he enjoys what he does. Yeah. And my guess is Jimmy Fallon really cares about the quality of his work, which is why it's good. But that he also has this way of just saying, I'm going to enjoy this, invite my friends in, have a good time. And if people don't like it, that's their problem. So there's some sort of mix of that. Where I I bet he really wants to produce really good stuff, but I bet ultimately he wants to do that because he likes it and because it's fun, not because he's trying to impress people. Maybe not. Maybe I've got. But maybe he goes
1: home every night and he's (laughs) completely neurotic, like, oh, is anyone gonna watch that clip? Oh, we just uploaded these 12 clips of all the best stuff that I thought it went, and one only got 100,000 views, and this other one got, you know, Emma Stone lip stinking, got 50 million
2: views. He doesn't. He doesn't. In my (laughs) mind, he goes home, and he has a cocktail, and he just laughs with his friends and has a good time.
1: Right, Brad? That's because we always idealize the other side, because we're always comparing our behind the scenes to someone else's highlight
2: reel.
0: Oh. Oh. That feels like a good quote to stop on. It's not mine. It's mine. Yeah, I I think I've
2: heard that before. Yeah.
0: That's a good one. It is a good one, though. Okay, I'm going to chew on that one.
1: So, we leave you with this thought. (laughs) What did I say? (laughs) (laughs) No, we're always comparing our behind the scenes with someone else's highlight reel. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's it for this episode. My name is Brad Wise, and my co-host is Steve Fuller. Thanks to Jim Zartman for uh, chatting with us and supplying us with all of our music. If you can relate to our conversation, we would love to hear your thoughts in the comments section over at rebelstorytellers.com. Go to the podcast section and click on this one, episode 22, and uh, maybe share your practical thoughts. But until next time, keep creating.